we're trying to figure out how can we put hosts first in our operation? How can we give them the driver's seat? How can we give them the ability to control the outcome and the destiny of their operations and not have these things that come over them to take money out of their pockets or take, you know, or shut down their accounts without telling them why? Like that to me is nuts. So, so again, we have to talk to the operators as much as possible. And we do that a lot. Everybody want to get the bag, but y'all really know what it's going to take. Trying to figure out how to start now. Blue gems, let to show you the way. Cause we talk finance and amortizing and anything it takes to get real estate. We've been grinding up there, finding ways to get paid. Better hop on this web, cause we're dropping blue gems. JB dropping blue gems. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems. Let's go. Let's go. Another episode of Blue Gems podcast <laughs> with Ives Perez from Work BNB Man. Hey, hey thank you so much for being yeah. here, brother. Let's uh run down a quick version of how you got here. What are you up to and how does it correlate to short-term rentals? Yeah, thank you. Uh so we came to Florida, the data brought us here. This state is growing tremendously not only with corporate relocations, like companies moving from California and stuff like that, but also construction. I mean, you guys have seen it for like a couple of years, right? But construction is forever and we're going into a very big construction period. So when we looked at the numbers, Florida was like a huge market for us. So we came here to test out everything out. Love it. Why, yeah. why specifically the Orlando area? Cause I know you guys are mm. kind of bullish on Orlando. Yeah. So out of Miami, Tampa and Orlando. Orlando has one big factor, which is the airport. The airport is just an economic juggernaut. I mean, Scott, size, scale, um, what the, the airport does is it really ratchet up, ratchet up a lot of industry. So uh, pharma, pharmaceuticals, aerotech, uh, uh, aerospace, um, uh, autonomous vehicle technology companies, like it's attractive because they can get access to their supply chain faster. So, you know, when we look at these numbers, we get excited because we focus on traveling workers and the type of traveling workers that come in for these type of companies are typically engineers and engineers sometimes come in overseas on work visas, work visas are three to six months. And <laughs> my other favorite is corporate relocation. So if you're trying to get top tier, tier talent and they want to buy a home in Orlando, sometimes they need a temporary place to stay until they buy their home. So let's backtrack just a little bit. Tell the audience exactly what work BNB is. Yeah. So we're a new online travel agency just for traveling workers. So everybody's kind of maybe have heard of the term OTA. OTA is a booking platform. It actually has listings available, units that you can get access to, and it does the booking activity as well. So that is what we're focused on. And, you know, really what's just exciting is that the traveling worker for, year has, for years has been underserved. They have been kind of like pushed at the bottom where it's like they have been put in motels and hotels for years. And for months. And that has typically brought down their productivity, 
Sometimes it is also reflected employee morale, like they're just not excited to go on their next work assignment or their next project or whatever. And, you know, the idea of getting access to more units is exciting to them. So, you know, we see uh, companies leveraging us to boost employee morale, to boost, you know, their employees like enthusiasm to take a work assignment for six months away from their family. Man, I love it. So, so, <laughs> you know, this is a brand new strategy for a lot of people listening. Walk us through the differences of a short-term rental, a short-term rental, a long-term rental, and then where you fit in. Yeah. So, you know, most of us are just familiar with this one lane of vacation rentals and it, you know, we've all done it. We've tra traveled to vacation rental, had a great time, all that kind of stuff. But again, when a journeyman lineman is coming into your community to like, let's say, redo power lines and or maybe there's a storm that knocked down power lines and they have a lot of work to do. They're jealous. They want to be able to stay in a nice place with a nice bed and a nice kitchen. But now they're staying in this sleazy motel because that's the only thing that's available. So when you move some of that inventory over to them. That's where you're going to get like these longer bookings and this, you know, more robust, you know, like market. Now, here's the thing. When we talk about this, we are talking about in the context of creating another lane for the short term rental industry. It's just like another thing that you can accomplish. You can do both. You can have some of your inventory to vacation, maybe some of your units to workforce, but you have to commit to workforce if you're going to be a part of it. So when you say commit, what does that entail? So it typically means that you're committing to certain strategies. So one of the first strategies to successful workforce rental operation is that you're not running your calendar like you were in the vacation rental industry. In the vacation rental industry, success looks like a bunch of bookings and they're like all over the place, right? Like you just see a calendar and it's got a bunch of dots everywhere. In workforce, you want these long bookings, this one big long you know, thing, right? So in order to do that, you don't accept like bookings that are like so far out in the future, because if a company is going to book for six months and they have a problem with their project and they need to extend for another six months, what tends to happen over here is that when that extension goes to happen, the host has to say, I'm sorry, I have another booking for a week or two, let's say, and that company's trying to book for like another six months and now they have to like leave and go somewhere else. They don't like that. They want to be able to stay in their unit and extend. So you in this lane have an extension mindset. And that's one of the big strategies of committing to workforce is that you're not worried about booking after their stay. You're worried about taking care of them and helping them extend if they need an extension, in which in a lot of cases, workforce has tons of extensions, um, especially like construction. No, I just love the idea. Like if I'm a construction worker and I'm going to be traveling for this assignment or contract for four months and I'm like, I go onto Airbnb and I'm simmering through thousands of listings and right. asking, Hey, can you do a four month booking or do you have this or do you have that? And it's just strike out, strike out after strike out. Right. But I can go straight to your app and I'm, I'm going there and I, I get exactly what I'm looking for. Right. I just, I just love the, the difference and the distinction of the, of the two. And that's, that's really kind of like how market innovation happens. I mean, you know, 
when you look at certain companies and how they were successful from different eras, usually distinction really is one of the main characters to success is that it doesn't feel like something else competing with each other, like neck and neck that usually gets pretty ugly, but when they can like be in a similar lane, but they're, they're like separated, then this one can grow in its own right and do what it needs just for that particular lane. And we got that taste in Reno. Reno was going through a growth phase, Reno, Nevada. There were a lot of California companies that were relocating to Nevada. Tesla opened up a big, huge mega facility. And at that time that all that was happening, that was before I was there, the construction workers had to stay in the casinos in downtown Reno, which are just like these nasty old, you know, relic casinos. And they had to stay there for months as they were building the mega factory. Now, years later, when, you know, I got into the business with my mom and we started to target workforce and we called our units workforce rentals. Once that started to speak to them, they started like saying, forget the hotel or the casino. Let me stay in this one bedroom, this two bedroom or this four bedroom house. And we were just a hundred percent like seeing like these huge occupancy rates, like, you know, I mean, for months, you're a hundred percent occupied for months on end. Right. And when you do your books at the end of the year and out of, in our case, we scaled up to 45 units in Reno. We became the largest uh, rental operator. Um, when you're seeing like 90, 95% occupancy over your entire 45 <laughs> unit portfolio, wow. yeah. like you're just like, how do wow. I get to 100? How do I get to, you know, like that's all you're thinking about. So, so in a lot of ways, you know, if you're a beginner in this business and you're, you're kind of like looking for your way, you're always going to want to do things that make you feel good. And we felt good about helping workers that were improving our community. That was, that was really kind of like one of the biggest driving forces for us. Yeah. I was actually going to ask that because like you're already, already having success as an operator. You're, right. You've scaled to 45, you're making right. tons of money. Right. You could just keep scaling your portfolio, right. but you went the whole other route where you said, hey, you know what? Right. I want to reach more people. Right. Provide this app for everybody. Right. That's interesting. And and, it, and, it, and honestly, it was a very crazy moment to really think about that because right. when we helped uh, Ames Construction, that's our biggest client that we helped in Reno, they were doing a freeway expansion project and we were housing like a bunch of their workers. We got this mega deal. Like it was like, it just knocked my pants off. Like <laughs> I just could not believe that they had a site supervisor that they had to bring in for the project and this is their top guy. They were do they were willing to do a lot to keep him happy, but they needed a two bedroom condo for two and a half years, and they were willing to pay two hundred dollars a night. Like when wow. we did that deal, that was like it for me. I was like, this is what's possible in workforce. And when I did the math in my brain on all the construction projects across the United States at scale, I was like, there's probably like a couple of thousand of these two year deals or four year, you know, like every, like in a bunch of markets. So, so again, like we, what we did was we looked at the data 
the U.S. Travel Association, SCIF.com, like a bunch of these like research information uh, uh, organizations on business travel. And what we noticed is that they only considered business travel to be blue or white collar business travel, guys that were going on business meetings. They were only tracking that. They had never considered tracking blue collar workers that were going to wow. go fix power lines. So we had to really kind of like dig deeper now. We had to go to like unions and all kinds of people and talk to them about their travel patterns. And when the data like came up out of the mud like this, it was like, holy cow, like there are bookings everywhere. And now what we're, what we're looking at is we're looking at disrupting effectively motels and extended stay hotels. That's who is going to feel the biggest dis disruption from work b and we're going to take and eat their lunch. And that's very exciting for us. <laughs> I also wow. love the factor, right? One of the things that really sticks out to me is like, you're not confined to a lot of these regulations, right? No. Because yeah. you can operate 20 days, 28 days or more. Right. And you're in your own lane. Right. And that, and that's the biggest thing is that for years, the other OTAs have operated in gray zones. They, they, there weren't regulations and they were able to grow. Now, once they went IPO, they would put in their risk assessment regulations that markets would start to regulate. And we're starting to see that in, you know, Atlanta, Philly, uh, Las Vegas, huge regulations are coming down and there's going to be a scale down because of it. Now we can come in and say, we are work b, &B. The average stay is three to six months, maybe even longer you can operate legally on our platform. That's a, that's a very wonderful, attractive, you know, value proposition to a market that is being forced under certain regulations. But again, what we have to do is we have to also see the value of the actual client. Okay. That's where the real secret sauce is because a, in the vacation rental world, there's regulations for a reason. The regulations are typically because of, of what is like, you know, a nuisance in the vacation rental lane, such as people throwing parties, people, you know, going crazy and messing up neighborhoods and, you know, causing chaos, right? You see it now as like an aftermath that it's almost impossible to get rental arbitrage in an apartment community like up front and say, I want to Airbnb this unit. It's almost impossible now because Airbnb's name has become so toxic, right? So, but when you talk to them about workforce, it's like, well, wait a minute. These are people who are just for work. They're not going to party, right? So, Whenever we talk to an apartment community about any of this type of stuff, they're like, oh, workforce? Yeah, sure. What do you guys need? What, you know, like it's a different conversation. So that's the real value proposition. And, and we didn't create it. It was already there, but we just had to harness it and put it into an app and make it work. So question like, obviously, I understand what it takes to provide a good guest experience for short-term rentals vacation rentals. Right. Are you doing anything differently in your units to facilitate to this demographic, right? 
like we we provide like pool tables and amenities right. and pools right. like to make it fun for the vacation. But are you doing anything different? Yes. And this properties? is going to be controversial, guys. I got to tell you, I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad we could talk about this. Okay. So the very first thing is, yes, we have standards. So we have like a list of like, I think 10 or 11 standards. One of them is that every unit has to have a desk and a desk chair, every single unit. It's, it's like, it's like a standard iconic thing that you will see in work B and B's across the country. It's made for workers. So if you have work that you need to do, you're not doing work at a dining room table or at a coffee table. There are a lot of people who try to cut corners in vacation rentals to say, I have a desk that it's in the (laughs) thing, but it's not really. So we have that as a standardized thing, but we also have other standards like regular pest control, we need provided proof of that for preventative maintenance problems. I mean, we we know that pests happen and it's seasonal, right? Ants in the summer or whatever. So it's like we have these quality standards because we see an opportunity to not only provide operators this opportunity to, to, to fulfill bookings in another lane, but professionalize along the way. And when you can put standards on each unit, and it feels similar to one work B&B and the similar to another one on the other side of the country, that's an astonishing goal to go after. So we're going to go after that. The other thing that we're going to do is that we're not going to just let anybody list on the platform. And I, when I say this, I'm saying this, that this is going to be amazing accomplishment for the platform. So, In the world of tech, you typically do not put what's called a barrier to entry. You want people to download and access your app and get on it like with no problems. Now, when you do that, scammers find a way to get in. And that's what happened with Airbnb. People started making fake listings. I can screenshot your photos and I can go open up a listing in Nevada that's your photos and create like a really fake thing and put up a unit, somebody books it and I got the money and then I can just shut it down and close out and I just scammed somebody out of money and I can do it in different states. There was a big article that came out on Airbnb about this and they have not improved their tech to do anything about it. They don't have any other extra requirements. So what we decided to do was we had decided to go a more stringent route on not only verifying units, but then we also went even further. We put together an educational course. We call it, this is going to be a new term. It's called a hometelier. So a, a, a hotelier, hotelier is somebody who was like managing a hotel. Hometelier is somebody who's managing a home. So we want you to go through a course where you get educated on customer service, you get educated on uh, hospitality basics, and you also get educated on conflict resolution. And the reason is because Work BNB has its terms of services agreement set up in a way where we give you the power to resolve conflict with your guest. We don't get involved. You have an issue, you guys are able to resolve it amongst yourselves. 
We are thrilled to announce Blue Gems Management. After building out 24 short-term rental properties of our own, we're now helping other investors buy their time back. With over 300 five-star reviews, we really understand the importance of guest experience. If you're interested in making short-term rentals passive, click the link in the show notes below and someone from our team will contact you soon. Now back to the show. And that's one of the things that we want to do is we want to give you all the power where Airbnb right now gets in the middle and sides with the guest and takes money from you. So we're putting the host first. And for us to do that, we have to set up, up this way. I love the qualifications and like keeping 100%. it, you know, like I will, let's say I stay at one of your properties. I'll be able to stay at another one in Seattle and recognize, oh, wow, the quality is mm -hmm. still across mm -hmm. the board, right. no matter where I go, whether right. I'm in Cincinnati or Scottsdale or Oregon, wherever, right? Yeah. So really nice touch. I love yeah. that. Now, guys, we're just about to launch the app. Like, we still have to do this. So yeah. we're out in Orlando evangelizing this. We're trying to get this market to get ready for this because when this launches, it's not going to be like some like soft little launch where we're putting out flyers on the street corner. We're going to be taking ads out in the airport. You're going to see work B&B ads in the airport. It's contextual. That's where traveling workers are coming in. They're going to see the app. They're going to download it. They're going to look at it. They're going to cancel their hotel bookings or whatever they're staying at. And they're going to be like, man, I need to stay in a work B&B, right? And as those bookings start to come in for you as operators, you're going to start to feel the pressure of opening up more units because of market demand. So one of the questions I have as a short-term rental operator, I understand the occupancy component, right? Right. That makes sense. You know, you're, you're offering a different product, but that's only half of the equation from a revenue standpoint right. as short-term rental operators mostly care about. So talk to me about the differences between the nightly rates from work BNB to potentially Airbnb. Right. So in the Airbnb model, which is really funny, like, I don't know if you've heard about smart pricing or have you even tried smart pricing, but it's, it's, it's horrible. Right. And it's because it's an algorithm that has to factor in like a bazillion things. Right. And it just doesn't make sense. Right. And dynamic pricing really is just a replica of what hotels do, right? You're modeling what a vacation rental industry is already doing. Now in workforce, it's different. They're willing to pay a nightly rate, okay? When they're booking for their employees, they're, they're willing to pay a nightly rate, but what they want is a predictable nightly rate, especially if they're going to extend for another, extend for another six months. So, when we were doing workforce bookings in Reno, we committed to a value proposition that most rental operators would never even really like consider doing. Because again, if you're on vacation, you're only thinking about small bookings. But over here, we committed to static pricing. We were saying like, if you booked us at 165 a night and you need an extension, we were willing to extend without a holiday price increase. So if it extended through 4th of July, Christmas, whatever, we're willing and on, under our policy to give you that same price per night because the occupancy of 165 per night was more interesting to us than to raise it up to $300 a night and possibly lose you for six months. 
No brainer. So if we're using simple numbers, right? Let's say a short-term rental property near Disney grosses $100,000 annually. What would you say a work B&B similar comparable property would gross? So, okay. Now the Disney area is a really like great, you know, thing because we're, we're excited to test this out because in that particular area, Lake Nona, all of that, there's construction, right? So if you really were to take our theory and you were able to look at that unit that made a hundred thousand, right? What you would want to look at is the empty nights. What were all the empty nights that were either cleaning or so on and so forth, right? Now, if you were to take a large construction project, let's say it was a brand new hotel or a brand new theme attraction or something, and the booking was for 14 months, not only was there no empty nights that entire year, but I also had a four months extra that was 100% occupied. Do the math. I'm going to make more than you across the board, <laughs> you know? Now, the only way that I even get close, close to what that one is even booking is that if a booking was like for three months and then it was empty for a week and then it was booked for another three months and then it was empty for a week and then it was booked for six months. But again, once you balance out the averages, I still kind of come across a little bit more because I'm not so empty across all these other times. So, cause again, we've seen the calendar that even when you look like you're booked like crazy, you still have those one night and then, or two days it's empty a midweek. I don't know if you ever seen that midweek float where it's like Monday yeah. and then it's like, damn, I'm not booked till Friday. And you, you know, they, a lot of Airbnb operators try to play that rate game. Let me lower my rate during the week so I get booked, right? Like you're chasing the bookings. In workforce, it just comes at you. And what I typically love about workforce is not one booking. They're looking for like, I'm trying to book for like five employees. I'm trying to look book for 10 employees. Can you set up units for me? That's where it gets fun and exciting. I have a question. Sure. So one of the reservations that I'm having right now is what happens with, when these guests are squatting out of my place? Right. What about tenant rights in different certain states? Right. How do you object? You know, what, what's your objections to these? Okay. So I'm going to give you like the really cool answer, but then I'm going to give you a tech answer. Okay. So on the really cool answer is that we have protect or, uh, we have, um, invented like a new model, which is how do you perfect the third party booking? That's where workforce really exists, is that these employees are not typically booking for themselves. It is someone within the company that's booking for them. So on Airbnb and stuff like that, they don't like third party bookings. So with us, we had to create like enterprise accounts. So in the workforce lane, you're getting paid by a corporation. And that's how you really get over that particular issue is that you're not being paid by an individual who typically is the person who squats. That's where that squatting behavior comes from. But in a booking format through a business, and let's say it's like Apple, it's Google, it's a, a large construction company, Gilbane Construction or uh, uh, Swinerton or whatever, um, you have less fear to worry about 
than if it was an individual. So that, that, that mechanism was really kind of the genius side to take care of that. Now, from a tech perspective, this is where it got better. So in a, in a normal OTA model, the way that they create their terms of services agreement, it does not look like a lease agreement. It is a bunch of mumbo jumbo, which effectively makes a virtual handshake. This deal is a virtual handshake, right? So in our model, before a booking clears, we are doing a DocuSign rental agreement for them to sign, but this is where it gets sexy. This rental agreement does not give them tenant rights. It is set up like a licensing agreement. So they have the license to occupy the unit. There's no tenant right information in there and nobody's ever attempted that before. So that's going to be our IP. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And it's going to change the game. So essentially they have the license to use your unit. So let's say... I wanted to get started on work BNB. I have a handful of short-term rentals. What would be the next steps for me to convert my property so, into a longer term stay? Right. So let's say, okay, the app is out and let's say we're past the beta phase. Like, you know, now it's like, it's easy to just download and get on and, and get popping and get going. So, so you're going to go through a user journey that does twofold. One, it verifies your properties really like stringently but two, you're going to get certified under this training program and you have to pass with an 80%. So one thing that's great about that is that you're on a equal playing field with everybody. Everybody passed the test. Everybody has really good sharp skills. I really love this. And, you know, you're not worried about bad actors who are like mouthing off to clients or making you look bad on social media, stuff like that, right? But- once you get past that and you get your lit, your your units on, right? Then effectively you're in the machine and the machine is really doing its job on getting placement to your units. Now, what's again a great about this is that you have also the ability to signal to the marketplace that you're willing to set up units if you need units. So don't always, you're not going to just be sitting back on your rentals, hoping you're making money. You're going to be taking like bookings over here and then getting requests over here to set up units. And that's where it's going to get fun. And I imagine that in some cases, the requests can come in advance, right? So you may have an opportunity to say, hey, Aiden, I have a demand for a unit two months from now. Can you be ready by that point in time? Right. And then I can go behind the scenes and say, okay, I'm going to convert these five short-term rentals into the longer-term stay because I know it's coming up. Absolutely. And even when you get done with that transaction and a construction firm wins a bid that starts in, you know, 2023, you know, they're going to do the same thing over and over. They're going to give you this advance notice like, hey, we need this housing. We need housing for 30. Who can help us? And you can collaborate with your friends to get and provide the housing and take care of this particular client. And what's so exciting about construction, this is why I love construction, is that it's forever. It's like, as soon as they're done with the hospital, they're onto a DMV, then they're onto a school, then they're onto this, then they're onto that. So as projects are just getting done all over the place, they're willing to travel. We've tested this. 
up to 40 miles just to get back to their property because it was designed for them. It's for them. And they know that certain markets can't handle units that are close by. Uh, this happened to us in Wine Valley, uh, Northern California. There's like no rentals on that market. Like if you go on and you try to find a house for rent, there's like three in a city called Penaloma. And they were willing to travel up to 40 miles to find a rental suitable for their workers. So again, they're willing to do extra things to get access to this inventory. And that's what's exciting. And then what is your launch plan, right? So we love the product. We, we couldn't be behind it more, but talk to me about how you plan to actually go about your launch process and then where you go from here. Yeah. So whew, this is exciting. All right. Tech is interesting. Um, a lot of people are excited to see what our UI designs look like. That's the user interface. What does the app look like? Nobody has seen that yet. So this year, we have a strategy of doing something similar to what Steve Jobs did when he showed off the iPhone. He did it at a big public event. So we're going to do a public event in Las Vegas. That's our strategy. Las Vegas is a huge market for us. There's 10,000 illegal short-term rentals. And with their new regulations, it's going to make it even harder for them to become legal. So we want to win over even like 5%, 10%. In the first year, like I'm happy with that, but it's like there's $18 billion of construction on the books in Las Vegas. I mean, there's a new stadium being built. The Oakland A's are almost done with finalizing their relocation to Las Vegas. Um, there's new casinos that are being built and there's all this other tech infrastructure and hospital infrastructure being built. So, um, we have a big like launch for Vegas, but as we get the, the, the campaign rolling, we're going to be advertising contextually. So instead of like Facebook ads, Instagram ads, which is typically consumer facing, we're going to be advertising in major airports. Why? Because they're all going under construction efforts next year. The Infrastructure, Infrastructure Investment Act, $1.3 trillion is going into effect and airports are going under construction. And they're going to see the ads right there. I mean, we're going to kill it. <laughs> Man, <geez. Wild. laughs> Need to invest. Yeah. How do we company. invest? How do we invest? Uh, okay. So there's, a, there's an answer to that. So, so tech investors typically try to like do the wolf thing over startups. They, th before you launch your product, they will give you all the money you want because you haven't made very much revenue. So we want 50, 60% of the company, right? So to reverse that trend, what we did was we did something called a WeFunder campaign. So a WeFunder is what's called equity uh, crowdfunding. So it's where smaller investors can invest in as low as $100, Right. And, but we can't do anything over $5 million. We can't do like $30 million raise, $50 million raise, $100 million raise. We can only do $5 million or under. But for a company that is doing self-onboarding, which means that you don't have to schedule a demo to get access to the product. Have you ever done that before? You had to do the demo thing. Right. You had to talk to a rep. 
We got rid of that. It's all like self onboarding. So when you can do self onboarding, you can spend more money on like what we said, airport ads, right? And that's where we're going to spend our energy. So we don't need to raise 30 million to hire a hundred sales reps. See what I'm saying? So we're going to do a three to $5 million raise this fall. TJ to Johnny signed up as our lead investor for that raise. So he's committed like 200,000 to the raise, but you guys as individual operators who want to be on the app, you can invest as low as a hundred dollars. But think about it in this context. There was an investor who invested $5,000 in Uber at this time when Uber was about to launch. Okay. 5,000. His $5,000 investment is now worth 25 million. Wow. So (laughs) when you get in a growth company early enough and you get a certain equity stake, you can really do well if you stick with it and you just like forget about it and just let it ride. What's a hundred dollars, right? To a, a rental operator. What is that? Like a couple of pillows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if that, yeah. Right, right. So, so we have a strategy. We're, we're going to invest fest, uh, up in Atlanta. Um, it's put on by EYL earn your leisure. And they talk to a lot of short term rental operators to that community. So, we're going to be letting them know about our, our WeFunder and we're going to be, you know, putting out our WeFunder more and more, but investors can really get down with us at this stage, you know? Nice. Yeah. And, and like, I assume this is just something that they can sign up on a website? Or- yes. So it's WeFunder.com backslash work I mean, gotcha. super simple. Simple, simple yeah. enough. Awesome. And you put a hundred bucks, just be like, well, you know, whatever. There you go. You know, <laughs> and then how does how does that work? I mean, this could be a whole episode, but just at a super super high level, how does that work? You know, when would you get your investment back? When would you see any equity or, or right? Cash out? So so it's like a real tech investment. It is a convertible note that has a two year uh, maturity date, and it's paid back a couple of ways. Whether the company goes IPO or we do a structured raise like a Series A, that's how typically tech companies work. But you would have to sign a convertible note to get that equity right to be a part of that. And basically, you get your investment back in two years, like, bam. But if you want to let it ride, you let it ride, right? You're like, I want to reinvest it or something. I, I want to keep going. I don't want my return back. I want to reinvest. You can do that too. But once we get to a certain point, whether we do a Series A or we go IPO, I mean, you know, sky's the limit. And this is why I say this. I don't want to be shy about this. We're talking to a ton of construction companies. One of them is called Kiwit. Kiwit is a Fortune 100 company. Okay. It has a construction arm, an engineering arm, and a power infrastructure arm, and a mining arm. Okay. Wow. Has four arms. It operates in almost all 50 states. But it's also a multinational company. It operates in Europe. So if Kiwit says, hey, work BNB, we need you in Europe, guess where we're going to go, right? And we get to take you, the investor, along with us. Amazing. Well, I mean, this has been an incredible episode. Incredible. Like, I love it. I love I could do this all day, guys. I could do this all day. <laughs> Let's get on to uh, the formal questions. For sure. What does a day in the life look like for the work BNB CEO? 
Oh man. Okay. First of all, <laughs> coffee for sure. Like <laughs> I cannot, and I'm not a morning person. I'm really not like getting up before 10 is a struggle. Wow. Yeah. I sleep in a lot. Um, also, you know, I am, uh, very like ferocious on LinkedIn. I am connecting like crazy. Like right now I'm collecting, I'm connecting to like 25 project managers or construction executives like every day. Like I am constantly like making connections to get ready to launch this app. And every time I connect with someone, I don't know them, but they see work BNB, like they just see the name and it sticks. Like that's the marketing genius. It's like they get it in like, I need to know you. When is it available? How do we? That's what it did for me. Like, yeah. so my morning is just like, it's almost ready. That's ready to go. <laughs> I'm almost ready. What do you guys need? Where are you guys going? What are, what are you guys working on? So, you know, I'm doing a lot of that business development. Cause I mean, it's CEOs. I mean, you're like the chief salesperson. You're the chief storyteller. You really have to kind of like get out there and talk a lot. So I do a lot of that. And then I get really into like the deal making mode because there are a lot of like companies. I, I will say that here in Florida, Advent Health is, you know, huge company, right? And they are doing so much in so many areas that they have housing needs in like 20 different departments. So I'm trying to dissect all these different departments and what their needs are, right? So what I'm constantly doing is something called horizontal segmentation, okay? I'm creating like in my mind what they need and the terms that they need and the durations that they need so we can have buckets when we're running our marketing, we know who we're talking to. And... That's where we tailor the marketing messages and all that kind of stuff so it sticks even further and it, it converts even better. And that takes a lot of work. And then, you know, I, we, I spend a lot of time with Dajanique. Um, Dajanique is the president of the company. She's super focused on the design of the app. So we're finalizing like designs and flow and stuff like that. And then we collaborate on like the launch efforts. So, you know, we're looking at it from a national standpoint and you know i'm looking at what's going on in trends in atlanta i'm looking at what trends are going on in denver like that is just like before lunch <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah so lunchtime um we take a break you know i'm not gonna lie we smoke a blunt i'm not gonna lie you know we're from nevada it's legal so we you know that's i'm not gonna lie um but then we get into making phone calls. I mean, we're, we're, we're constantly talking with operators. That's one of the biggest things is that if you don't have your community and you're not in touch with them very well, you don't really have a good platform. You're going you're gonna to be chasing like these fake news stories because you're trying to hide these bad news stories. And... We're not trying to get into that. We're trying to figure out how can we put host first in our operation? How can we give them the driver's seat? How can we give them the ability to control the outcome and the destiny of their operations and not have these things that come over them to take money out of their pockets or take, you know, or shut down their accounts without telling them why? 
Like that to me is nuts. So, so again, we have to talk to the operators as much as possible. And we do that a lot. The year is 2027. Where is WorkBnB? Okay. So we'll probably be at a million properties. Okay. We'll probably be at a million properties. Uh, maybe even by 2025. I think again, as we roll this thing out and people start to see, and, and I'm, I'm being really honest about this. Even in the first six months, when you see hosts, what do hosts do when they get excited about a booking? What do they do? They post about it, right? Talk about it. Look, I just got to pay out of $5,000, right? So you'll see a work BNB operator and it's like, bro, I just got an $80,000 payout and I just got a 200,000. Like everybody's going to be like, yo, what am I doing? Like I need so to be true. over here. So we're going to have like this huge flux in the first couple of years. But by 2027, we're going to have a huge expansion in the operation. And what I'm looking forward to is also that the the app just becomes like a big home like you know like like a like a what is that called like a um a brand name that everybody knows household name household name that's what i'm looking forward to 2027 everybody's going to know work bnb you know it's funny because like two of the points that you mentioned were were so relevant to me the first one was the name the name really stuck with me work bnb mm-hmm. and the second one was you know seeing tj post about work bnb i was right. like okay what what is that boy up to like let me right. go and find out more about that company right? right so two of the things actually impacted me directly yeah 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 so last question man sure and this can be about anything. It can be about business. It could be about work BNB or short-term rentals or the economy, about anything. What last gem would you want to leave the guests? Wow. Last gem. Whew, wow. Okay. So the last gem is that Dajanique is really helping pioneer something that's going to be incredible. Okay. It is going to be a gig economy on the system. So what it's going to do is it's going to be able for you to give gigs out to gig workers to take care of tasks for you. If you're going to be a big time operator, you need to have the ability to go on vacation or to go, you know, take care of something and not be stressed about your operation. And it's a very true saying, more money, more problems, right? In Reno, Nevada, we were able to scale up our operation 45 units. The thought of doing up to 100 units was like blowing my mind, not because of like the scale of the units, but how many problems I would have to take care of, like guest requests, all kinds of things, last minute problems, whatever. So no other OTA cares about your operation. And because we're operators that have done it at scale, like Brian Chesky did it with a, an air mattress. What does he know about scale? If you come from an era, a new era, an advanced era, that was 2008 when they, they founded it. And now it's 2022 where now we're managing multiple units. He never thought about that at that time. So now the tech has to reflect that. And we have seen gig economies work where you're able to order food, 
order deliveries, order all kinds of things. But imagine a gig economy where you're able to give gigs out to go drop off toasters or go drop off these linens or go take care of this or go pick up this couch and go drop it off in my warehouse, right? And a gig economy responds to it and take care of it. Now you can really scale up and you can delegate more and get away from this business and have more peace of mind in your life. And that is something that we're going to create and it's going to be tested here shortly. Bro. Wow. Incredible. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much Thank you. Really appreciate it. Yes. Woo. <laughs> Woo. Let's go. Yeah. Work B&B. If you're interested in scaling your short-term rental portfolio and networking with like-minded individuals, we host a short-term rental meetup once a month in downtown Orlando. Click our link below in the show notes to register. See you at the next one. JB dropping blue gems. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems.